to the Pick a Fence podcast. Derek, it's been a minute since we've had one of these. Uh, we kind of took a holiday hiatus, but maybe a little more, a little more than that. Uh, we're, we apologize for that. We're, we're really happy to be back here. We've been trying to get one of these done soon. We're in the heart of basketball season. There's a lot of busy stuff going on, but we're really excited to talk about basketball season right now. And uh, there's three levels of basketball with a lot of great stuff going on. Derek, how was the holidays for you and how are you enjoyed the season so far? Hey, the holidays were good. I know this is a busy time of year, especially for you. You're in the middle of, of trying to coach and probably not pull your hair out and keep yourself sane all at the same time. And yeah. um, completely understand and completely respect it because I've been there, know what you're going through, and uh, at least you're able to enjoy some success here at, with the, the Cordon yeah. Central Panthers. You guys have uh, recently come off a big win there against the Floyd Central Highlanders and uh, went into their house and knocked off a 4A school, so that's always a good way to, to go about uh, getting into the new year. And uh, how's, the, how's the season going? And How's it, how's it yeah. looking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely in the heart of it. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, over at Cordon Central, I do the JV and the, and the freshman team, so we're definitely busy with those young guys. But varsity-wise, um, kind of getting on a little bit of a hot streak, I would think, or, you know, what, what I'm hoping looks like one. Uh, we go into Floyd Central, 17-point underdogs, and, and, and get a win. Uh, Coach Hinton with a, with a great job there, getting to – Get a dub on his on his dad's home court, you know the uh, on Joe Hinton court there at Floyd Central, and he gets a you know a win as we're underdogs, and a, and a huge win there was was pretty exciting, uh, packed house, and it was uh, I think unexpected by everybody, uh, I think except for us. So That's good. We thought we had a shot to go in there and, and do something special, and it was it was fun. I mean, well, hopefully we can take that into some momentum. We had kind of a slow start this year, but uh, I think we've, we've kind of maybe started to hit a little bit of a rhythm. These next few games, I think, will be will be pretty fun. Uh, here in a couple weekends we have uh, Big Jack Benner to play against, so that'll be yeah. definitely a tough contest. But the next next three or four games I think should be should be really good ones and then ones I think we can get on a little bit of a streak and then have some some serious competition, Mr. Basketball level competition here by the end of the month. So uh, I'm excited about what we're doing here at Cordon Central. I'm definitely excited about uh, what it looked like last weekend. Good. You know, this is that, that time of year when you start to kind of figure out who your team really is. You know, you have that span of time from the start of practice in November. You get into Thanksgiving. You start playing games. You've really got the month of December, you know, to kind of knock some of the dust off and work some of the kinks out. And this is that time of year when you can really start to get rolling. You figure out lineups. You figure out personnel, who belongs in what spot. And I, this is that time of year where you uh, can really start to put some things together. And it sounds like with you guys knocking off Floyd, you know, maybe you guys are on your way to, to doing some things and maybe – shocking people outside of the Cordon Central Panther program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hope so. I mean, you know, I think one of the things that we've, we've learned talking to these coaches on here, you know, and it's something that, that I hear Coach Hinton talk about a lot is like finding, you know, what our identity is. Right. And I think from the group we had last year, it is such a different group and not in a worse way or a better way. Just, they're just a they're much different looking group on yeah. the court. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully starting to figure that out. I mean, we've we got an idea about it. We went over a big evaluation with the team. They sat them down, looked over some season statistics and what we got over our next 10 games. Uh, we got, you know, we have 10 games left. And so we had to, you know, set some goals today. And as a group looked at, okay, what do we have to be over these next 10 days? What are our goals as a group? Uh, 
And it was a great conversation and a great hard practice after that. So this is the heart of the season, and this is where there's, you know, there's uh, there's no, you know, there's no more messing around, and we're not figuring things out now. I think we've we've got what we think we are, and, and we've got a role, and um, we've got some tough opponents coming up that definitely know who they are too, and uh, <laughs> pretty established identity. And so it'll be it'll be some really fun <clears throat> next couple of weekends for sure. Well, and I look at you guys too, just on paper with the schedule that you guys play. It's not like you guys walk into playing a schedule that's advantageous to getting into Christmas perennially year in, year out with, you know, we've got nine or ten wins by the time we get into January 1. You know, the schedule you guys play for a 3A school of your size and looking at that, the schedule you guys play is no joke. I mean, you've got New Albany, you've got the tournament you guys playing with Heritage Hills, and we obviously know how good they are this year. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. You know, and you get into – playing the Floyd Central. You guys play a pretty good portion of the, the Hoosier Hills Conference. You've got Seymour to kick your season off. Uh, it's not like you're rolling into to cupcakes or anything like that to get your season started. So I think this is a, definitely the early season tests, I think, do nothing but help you. And, you know, like I said, this is kind of my favorite part of the year because, you know, now we are, you know, as teachers, we're looking at basically 10 straight weeks of, of school without a break. Uh, but basketball is kind of the same thing. Like it's full bore, 100% pedal to the metal until sectional gets here. And it'll be a good test for you guys. I know you and I have talked quite a bit just in reference to the stats and the, the statistics and the analytics side of things that you keep track of. And, you know, it's no different than than working out. Like the mirror and the scale do not lie. But when we're talking about sports and your performance, you know, statistics and tape, they don't lie either. The stat sheet, the stat sheet does not tell a lie, and sometimes that's an eye-opening experience for kids. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's been something that we've been working on, you know, this year with with our group and understanding. Hey, we may we may think we know who we are, or what we are, what type of player we are, what type of team we are, but uh, on paper, we know what what we look like at our best, what we look like at our worst, and, and how we get there. And so, those have been some some tough conversations for young guys to have, but uh, they've yeah. been much more receptive to it as the year has gone on. And we're hoping that uh, as we hit the, the stretch of these, you know, this is the stretch of Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, you know, 10 yep. games and it's double up each weekend. Right. You know, this is where we really grind it out before sectional time. So I'm excited about it. I think that there'll be some really fun stuff going on. Um, and I'm really hoping to see uh, you know, the Panthers start start rolling. Coach Hitton yeah. is too, and uh, he's been doing a lot of great work. Well, we've, we've sat here and we've talked about the Panthers a little bit and kind of where you guys are at, how your season's going. Um, you've had a chance to see some of the teams across southern Indiana, you know, so far this season. Who are some of the teams, whether it be local or whether it be statewide, who are some of the teams that you're looking at as maybe um, some surprises or who are some teams that you're, like, looking at that, you know, are obviously uh, performing very well so far this season? Um, yeah, so I've looked for um... – you know, I, I, I look around and, and you know, try to pay attention to some of these teams locally or even a little farther away. I mean, I don't want the, the scope to be, um, you know, so narrow that I'm only looking Southern Indiana basketball. Okay. But there's some really, really good teams in our area and some really, really good players uh, that have put on some great performances or the teams themselves have been, uh, uh, you know, exciting. One of the things I think that, that I've noticed is just the the quality of some of these teams. What I mean by that is there are some teams that you wouldn't know 
the name, like, oh, I know this kid plays at that school. Right. There are some teams that it's like, oh, he's, um, you know, this this team is quality because top to bottom they're just well coached and all these guys know their roles and, and, and play it better. Um, that That's one of the things that I think I've enjoyed the most this season is watching these kids um, on these teams that just work so well together. And I'm going to talk about a couple of those too, but um, looking just kind of in our area, the teams that I have really stood out to me. Um, and I kind of want to go I kind of want to go by class and talk a little about it here, but I, I'm just going to talk about the best team I've seen so far this year, and we just had personal experience with them, um, and that's Heritage Hills. Okay. Uh, Heritage Hills Patriots are the real deal. They are number one in 3A right now. They have Trent Sisley, who is a legit Division One next-level talent, not a guy that you're looking at Division One, a guy that's everybody wants him. Uh, when we right. played him in our holiday tournament, uh, Coach Tom Izzo from Michigan State was in the building, which is pretty exciting. Got to meet Tom Izzo in the hallway. Um, come out of the locker room, ready to head out of the gym, and I see uh, a guy with a Michigan State pullover, and I was like, oh, I bet that's one of Izzo's boys. And then Tom walks <laughs> right in front of me, and I you know, kind of stopped in my tracks for a minute to let him go. And then yeah. walked past him and shook his hand when he was standing out in the tunnel. Uh, so that was pretty neat. Uh, and then he watched Big Trent kind of put on a show for us. Uh, they, they're a really strong team uh, the physicality for them is at the next level I think that's what makes them so good is every one of their, their guys is so much stronger than everybody else they play and to have Trent who catches everything and looks to rip the rim off the backboard I mean, yeah. he catches the ball on the block and he's looking to dunk it and he runs in transition with a purpose um, their transition is great not because he's running downhill too because when that kid gets a rebound he is a beautiful outlet passer uh, when he gets the rebound, he hits the guards while they're in stride. And it's, you remember watching, I'm not making the comparison, but it's, you know, like the way they talked about Kevin Love getting those rebounds and pushing ahead back in sort of his young prime in yeah. UCLA and Minnesota. Yeah. He, Trent just grabs it, turns it, and, and throws that beautiful breadbasket pass right over the top of their shoulder um, and gets them in stride. And so they're a fun team to watch run. Uh, they're a fun team to watch play in their half-court offense because they are deliberate and they know what they're what they're trying to get and they wear, they wear you out in the paint to get yeah. it, man. So that team has been super fun. Um, I would be really interested to see them uh, in the tournament. I think, you know, Trent's going to be a handful in tournament time. And that's that's been a super fun team, I think. Um, but locally, that's been the best team, I think, uh, that I've seen around. Um if I'm sticking in 3A here, I think probably the favorite, though, in 3A is Gurian Catholic. I haven't got to see them personally. Yeah. I saw them over the summer play um, in some games, and they're for real, and they're still ranked up there. And I think um, they're a team that's probably going to be right back in the state championship again. They're just they're just that program right yeah. now that's not missing a beat. Yeah, they're a different, um, they're a different beast in 3A. Oh, 100%, 100%. It's watching them compete with other 3A teams is yeah. just – they're on another level. Um, then the other three eighteen I want to mention, and we've also played them in Corn Center as well, is Southridge. Now, Southridge has been kind of a up-and-down program the past couple of years. They have a brand-new coach. Uh, this season, they are 10-1. They are ranked um, in 3A. They are, I've, I don't know, I've been a fan of watching them, and that's the team that I was kind of mentioning here as the, this is the team that plays as a team. You wouldn't know that they are 
you know, they have one superstar guy. That's just not who they are. They defend everybody really well. They find the best shot. Coach Ryan Hayward, or Ryan Haywood, sorry, um, who was at Ligoti last season, um, took the job here at Southridge and has turned this team into a, a real deal team. They're ranked eighth right now at 3A. Um, they were so fun to watch. Uh, we had a lead on them uh, late in our game and couldn't hold on, and they because they're just they're just relentless. I mean, they're just a really good, tough team. Um, and they're a team I think would be sneaky um, in that sectional. What's fun about them is they're in the same sectional as Heritage. Right. So that'll be a fun uh, matchup. I don't know how they'll match up with Big Trent, but I imagine that they'll be a tough out as well just because uh, they're just a quality team top to bottom and as well coached as any team I've watched this year. Um, some local teams I think that I'd kind of like to talk about with you as well and some guys we've talked to. Um, as I want to talk about some 2A and, and 1A local teams that are, again, at the top. And before we got on here, you said it too. You were just like, it's everybody you would expect to be ranked up here. Um, in 1A, the best teams I've seen um, just on paper or on film, bar even Orleans, are 2 and 3 in 1A. And who's shocked by that? You know? <laughs> right. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I talked to Coach Thompson. He's as, as they are. Um, from Bar Reeve, and they're just wearing teams out, man. Like, watching just wearing them out, and they're super fun. Um, Orleans is the same way. Some of the teams I see Orleans play, like they have New Albany on their schedule, and it, it shocks me that a team like Orleans would even be in that ball game. And their their one two possession games with them yeah. is unbelievable. Um, that's a team I'd like to see make the run because I never you never see Orleans really have the extended success outside the sectional, uh, right? Too much, and I'm thinking maybe this might be the year, or I'm hoping so. Uh, but not shocked at all by those two programs being really good. And uh, Coach Thompson and, and Coach Bradley again, just top of the class in terms of what they what they get done in their programs. Um, the one team that's really fun though uh, is Christian Academy. And they've got the, the Renfro kid, Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hunter Renfro. The other day against South Central, he had like 45 points in three quarters. <laughs> I think, hopefully I'm not getting that wrong. Because uh, I don't want to short the kid. Like, I don't want to I don't want to short what he did. But we were coming home from a game on the bus, and I see them play against South Central, who's a nice team around here too. And they've got 90 points on the board. I, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, okay, what happened here? And they said uh, Renfro had, had 45 through three hey you know I sometimes sometimes it's your night you know yeah for real uh so having uh, having that kid around is pretty fun that sectional is going to be really fun that's a local one here with uh cai who's got the rent who's got renfro who's a tremendous player south central who's got um some really nice players as well a uh, thousand point score as a junior over there at south central um and also uh, another guy that uh, you and I both have talked to in, in Doc Nash's Borden team and his yep. kid, Kasem. Uh, so that is a kind of a star-studded 1A sectional that I think will be one of the most fun ones in the state because there are three or four legit, uh, you know, Indiana All-Star kind of players, you know, and it's going to be a shootout in that one. And so yeah. I'm, that's actually probably the sectional I'm most excited for. I would. There's. It's unfortunate that you know we have these sectional games on the same night because. Right. I want to be in the gym when those when those three or four guys out there are shooting it out. Um, that's a fun one. Yeah, that may be that may turn out to be one of the highest scoring sectionals 
in the area, or at least like as far as state rankings, yeah. points per game average. They may be three guys that are all going to be very much near the top of the state scoring average, and they're all going to yeah. be playing in the same sectional, and only one of yeah. those guys has the opportunity to come out. And that's the stuff we talk about that it's the – the beauty, but it's also the curse of the way the, the tournament works, man. And, you know, you end up with guys like that that have to play each other and only one gets to advance. But um, it also makes it fun because that sectional sectional final night, you know, anything can happen. And you get a couple of those guys going head-to-head. That's going to be a lot of fun when we get into March. Yeah, even it being smaller schools, that's one I think should, should be paid attention to. Um, those three guys are three of the most fun shooters in the area with Cole Thomas and South Central. Um, Renfro at, at Christian Academy and uh, with Kasem Nash at, at Borden. That, that's, that is going to be a true, a true shootout and I would, I would love to, to see that and, and hopefully if there's, if there's a break I'm, I'm going to be down there trying to watch those guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but local basketball is just great right now. I mean, the uh, Providence Pioneers, uh, again, I know we're kind of shouting out some of the guys we've had on here, but there's a reason we've had them on. Hey. Um, their teams are up there. Yeah. Um, you know, Providence 10-2 and two right now. Uh, fourth in 2A, they've been, in terms of, you know, other than a game against clearly outmatched. I mean, let's just be honest. Cathedral, I think, and we may talk about them in a minute, might be the best team in the state of Indiana. Um, Providence is just smothering these teams in the area. Um, you know, other than a, a tight game with Brownstown, yeah. they've just kind of won some teams out. Um, the other teams I've liked in 2A, again, uh, another local one. Uh, and under the radar program right now, and I'd love to have Coach Cole on here to talk to him, but the Paley Rams are 8-1. and one. They're 8th and 2A. Um, you've got Fletcher Cole, who's a great point guard in this area. Um, not, a, not a group that I think has talked about very much, but I really like the Paley Rams. Um, they're, they're a team we've got coming up on the schedule last year. They, uh, you know, we, had, we had a really good uh, team according to Central last season, and they absolutely wore us out. I mean, this program has been great. Yeah. Uh, Coach Cole does not lose much, and, and the Rams are... Um, I think under the radar and not talked about like they should be because they're a really good program and only having lost one game so far this season is, is nothing to yeah. you know shy away from. So the Paley Rams, I just want to shout them out just because that's a program I think that's not being talked about um, like it should be in the area. And the last one I wanted to shout out kind of a, a not a local guy, but he was for a minute, Westview, uh, 13th and 2A. Coach Pribble, who was at yeah. uh, East, Eastern, Eastern Peking for a couple years. He's got a great program there in his, I think, his second year there at Westview. Um, having those guys back up there and ranked, you know, I just always thought he was a great coach around here. It looks like he's doing good stuff in 2A with with Westview. So they've got a tough sectional. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what, what they look like. But I just want to shout out, you know, our local guy there. Um, the last one I want to talk about high school-wise, unless you've got some other ones. Again, is, is Cathedral. I kind of mentioned them. That, I think, right now might be the best team all around in the state. I think they've just got size and speed, and they just impose in a way that other high school teams can't. I think they've just got a physicality and, and speed that yeah. I don't know who else can match up with that. Um, seeing what they did at Providence with a group that's really good. Now, the size in school is, is drastically different, but still some high school kids, man. <laughs> They're different. Yeah. They're different. Um, but the team is <clears throat> really interesting. Now, one of those had that we had this conversation before we got on here is Fishers. They're the number one team in 4A. They're 12-0. And this summer they lost probably Mr. Basketball in that class 
Jalen Hawson to private school. Fishers is for real, and what they could have been is unbelievable. But right now, they are absolutely smoking teams of 4A. I mean, you open up with Ben Davis, I think, and they absolutely took it to Ben Davis. Yep. Uh, and that was undefeated state championship last year. Fishers is fun, man. And to think about what they could be, you know, uh, I was at a coach's clinic, and uh, Coach Garrett Winter was there, and he was, uh, you know, great to listen to and, and really um, a smart guy and runs a great program, obviously, and they're doing great stuff. But it sucks to think they don't have that guy anymore, but to, to lose a kid of that caliber and still be the top 4A program, they've got some good stuff going on, man. Yeah, it's always interesting to me at the 4A level, especially around Indianapolis, you know, how those schools can lose kids. I think back to uh, North Central, you know, when they had Devontae Smith-Revere and he decides he's going to go to Oak Hill. And, you know, they come out and they only lose three or four games the next year. And it's just amazing to me the talent level in 4A in Indianapolis with those schools, especially in the MIC in that conference with, you know, North Central, Lawrence North, Lawrence Central, Warren Central – um, just the amount of guys that they have on a roster where you really don't. It's amazing. You would think in an ordinary program, you lose a guy like that, you know, you're going to be praying that you go 500. And with those guys, they've got a program in place that it's just next guy up, and here we go. And, yeah, and we're undefeated. And you roll with it. And like you said, to Fisher's point, we were talking about them before we started. And, you know, at losing a player of Harrelson's caliber who's a top – arguably top five, top ten kid in the country, I think, is where I've seen him ranked in a couple of different places. And, uh, you know, that's a situation that makes you puke as a coach. Yeah. You know, because you think we've got a real chance to not only win a state title but to win two state titles with this kid because he's just a junior. And then you find out that, you know, he's going to go to prep school. And for them to be doing what they're doing I think is really impressive. They're 12-0 and to start the season. Like you said, they've ran some teams out of the gym. Um and for me, to me, the, the Kokomo game is as much of a test as anything or a testament um, to them and their ability to go against, the, you know, that roster. Obviously, Kokomo lost some pieces, but they still bring back arguably the best player in the state who's going to Kansas in, in Flory Bedunga. And uh, for them to do what they did to Kokomo, I think, speaks volumes. And, you know, hats off to, to the players of Fishers and the coach up there. Yeah. You know, Coach Weiner yeah, is doing, doing a great job. Yeah, for sure. I'm hoping that they can make a run and – you know, like you said, this is this is probably the most fun time in the season right now because we're in the dog days. Like January's, no messing around, and and uh, I don't know. It's it's really fun stuff. I'm excited to see what you know our program looks like going forward. I'm excited to see uh, what locally everything shakes out. And there are some great. I mean, it's every year, man. But like great sectionals right now in terms of matchups with um, some of these players right now, and, so I, and especially in you know our deck of the woods. Yeah, well, I think we're. Yeah, and we're just kind of we're lucky, kind of in where we sit. Um, you know, Mid Southern Conference, Hoosier Hills Conference, uh, the the plaque, you know, Borden's Conference, and their sectional. Uh, but we've just got the teams that you and I are familiar with right now that are doing what you expect them to do. Like you talked about Bar Reeve, you know, Heritage Hills, Paoli, Orleans, Brownstown continues to do what Brownstown does with their program. Uh, and one that I that I wanted to mention real quick is uh, maybe not coming out of nowhere, but certainly for us being in our part of the state, Evansville Christian. Oh yeah, has knocked off two of the three best teams in the Mid Southern Conference this year. They've beaten both Brownstown and Scottsburg. Um, yes. The finish to the Brownstown game 
possibly a little controversy yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they've knocked off both Brownstown and Scottsburg, which to me, I think, coming into the season, you and I talked, were, were number one and number two in our conference. And both teams were ranked in their respective classes to start the season, too. So to look at a, a 1A program, yeah. to look at a 1A program like Evansville Christian, uh, to come in and, and knock those teams off, you know, I think that uh, certainly was something I wanted to point out. And uh, I'm curious to see how they progress and how they finish the rest of the season, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to see both guys surprise a couple of ranked teams with some yeah. serious, you know, the Division One talent on both yeah. of those teams uh, is exciting, and it's it's fun to see. It's fun to see those kind of upsets. You know, I mean, you look at Brownstown Central; that's a gold standard program, and they've got a Mr. Basketball candidate. Yeah. Um, so, and that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. Like, there are teams right now that you wouldn't know the name of a handful of guys on these teams, or they don't have the the superstar guy that's being talked about. But they're well coached, and they've got five, six, seven guys that play their role as well as possible and that's what the Sevensville Christian team is too man they're sneaking up on teams but yep. it's because they're just they're doing everything the right way yeah I think it's certainly fun because you get into those tournaments and I know that that was a situation uh, where Benner was out with you know you know the ankle injury and um, you know they're they have four losses on the year which isn't necessarily like Brownstown but they've also inherited a much tougher schedule this year yes. and three of those losses they've not had their best player, an Indiana All-Star and a possible Mr. Basketball candidate in Jack Benner. Uh, and they still went toe-to-toe. You know, they they fought hard against Lawrence North. They beat a 4A Brownsburg team up there uh, without Benner playing. They gave Christmas Attucks a game in the championship of the Hall of Fame uh, classic up there and just recently dropped one to a very good Jennings County team. So, uh, yes, you know, I think basketball in our area is about as good as it's been in a long time, you know, thinking back to the, the Anthony Winchester, Evan Seacat days yes. of the early 2000s. I think it's it may be as good top to bottom as we've seen in a long time. It definitely is. I mean, there's not a team that you, you know, there are a handful of teams that, you know, aren't competitive, but that's, right. that's how it is. But most nights you're going to watch a battle between yep. two players or two top-notch programs. Um, you know, that's what's, that's what's been so fun about that. You know, with, with Brownstown, what's so fun about them is because of their selling out all their games, they're streaming everything on YouTube. Yeah. But you can catch them after their games, and I'm, I'm trying to watch those guys all the time uh, just to see, you know, just first of all, the goal that Coach Benner puts out there. I mean, offensively and defensively, there's nobody more prepared. There's no there's not a more well-oiled machine than his, his programs and watching them compete against these huge teams. You know, I watched them play Jeffersonville out there. You know, uh, Jeffersonville was at Brownstown, but, you know, a team that's good like Jeff and has that kind of size to see Brownstown, yeah. you know, <laughs> just do what they want against a team like that. It's, I don't know. They're fun to watch. I yeah. know I didn't mention them here, but, you know, they're, they're, we couldn't say enough about it for them. Right. Um, you know, that's super exciting. There's, there's a lot of basketball, though, I think we can uh, chit-chat about. Um, why don't we take a break for a second, Derek, and maybe we can talk some college hoops. Sounds good. All right, Cam, as we come back into this one, that was a, a pretty good um, kind of synopsis as to where we're at in the high school basketball realm so far this season. Um, but one of the things you and I wanted to jump into and talk about is college basketball and the current state of things as we currently sit right now. Some teams that you're looking at, maybe some questions that you have or some favorites that you've got looking at um, down the road here as we get in, looking into March. Uh, what's your what's your impression on the college basketball season so far? 
So uh, of the three levels of basketball, you know, with high school, college, and, and the NBA, I would say that college is, is the level that I pay the least attention to and, and not um, purposefully. I think for some, I think it just kind of falls third in terms of what I'm looking for. Uh, but there are some teams right now that I'm, I just enjoy watching all the time when I'm looking for defensive things I want to show our guys at practice, when I'm looking for an offensive action or a concept that I'm, you know, that I want to look for. Uh, you know, right now, if, if I see UConn throw something down, um, you know, with all of their, their screens. Yep. Off the ball. And from that, uh, are my favorite program, I think, just because they an offense. They're, they're the best defensive program in the country, and I just think that's the best way to build your program. Um, really like the use of Cougars. Um, I really want to talk about the Indiana going on maybe Indiana. Um, with that, and I think maybe you would disagree in some areas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think I want to take a second to talk about a particular team with you. On the Purdue Boilermakers. Okay. But right now, I love everything that goes on at Purdue. They are the best team in the country right now, and I'm I'm going to throw this down um, with my with my vast college basketball knowledge. <laughs> uh, I think I think this is Purdue's year, man. They just okay. play with a grit that I don't think maybe they played with last year. When I've watched them, it's it seems like they they're hunting for it. They've right. got the most dominant force in college basketball. They've got great guard play. They defend. They've got guys that shoot. They've got guys that, you know, step up. You know, having a guy, a local guy, and not anybody in that game. I think they've got depth that, you know, who are you going to cover when it comes to tournament time? If you're covering Edie, I don't think there are weaknesses out there. Yeah. Um, so right now, my favorite player – Braden Smith, maybe my favorite player in college basketball. Well, he's not my favorite player in college basketball. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Braden Smith, <laughs> maybe my favorite player. I love Braden Smith. I love the, the toughening and the guard. He's a guy that should be in Bloomington. Uh, I'm sure you have an opinion on that as well. But <laughs> there's the Boilermakers just play Indiana basketball, man. They've got Hoosiers out there. Um, and they play with a grit. And I'm excited to watch them come on TV here in a little bit because um, I. How can you not love watching Indiana kids go out there and, and dominate the country? Um, so I love Purdue. I think this is the year, man. Or I'm hoping it is. You know, I you know I'm not making predictions, but I want to see them do that because you want to see that formula have success. So, um, you know, the the teams I, I've always enjoyed watching in college basketball are teams I continue to. But I I love what Purdue has. I love watching all their players, and most importantly, I love watching Indiana kids play at the highest level like this. Um, and there's more Indiana kids coming for them next year. Uh, I love Purdue. Um, I love what Coach Painter does. And, you know, I, I, I think you're on the same boat with me in that. It's just, I just want to see Indiana kids go out there and have success. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. I think there's nothing better um, than seeing our Indiana universities represented by Indiana kids. And I think it, it just means more. And to me, it makes the game, it makes those teams more entertaining and more fun to watch because you know that those kids, you know, are, are homegrown. You know that they've been coached extremely well at the high school level, and you watch an Indiana kid who had success in high school 
go play Division One basketball, and it's just a different level of sharpness, I think, yeah. to their game because you watch the way that they they understand defensive rotations, and I'll get into some of that stuff with my Indiana Hoosiers here in a little bit, but there is just there's just a difference in bringing in a kid with Indiana roots who's been coached by Indiana high school coaches and the transition that they make to the, to the college game. Now, it's not always a 25-point score, but you know exactly what you're going to get when you bring in one of those kids. And it's been fun for us because you and I got to coach against some of these guys that are having some major success at the college level, like, you know, like Trey at, at Purdue right now. Yeah, it was really cool to look at that and be like, hey, you know, Trey Kaufman dunked on us too. <laughs> when we watch that kid, I mean, but, you know, first of all, class act kid. Yes. Uh, awesome kid to watch play in high school. But not only is it Indiana kids, but it's like, they've never been in the gym. We've scouted against that kid. Yeah. Not like it mattered when we scouted against him, but. <laughs> we tried. Two of our best. But, yeah, it's fun. It's it's so fun to see that. And that's why I do like Purdue. It's why I like um, some of the other teams I kind of want to bring up in, in, a, in a little bit. But, um, I know you're you're the college basketball guy between the two of us, and so I'm curious to know are there teams that you're pumped about, like the things you've excited, or are there some, uh, you know, are there some maybe surprises for you? Well, or, uh, you know, I, I know you've got the the state of the Indiana Hoosiers address coming here <laughs> in a second. Uh, you know, I, I want to know you. I know you're the, more the college basketball guy. Between I'm not going to ask you to sit back and listen just yet. Um, but the the question that I would that I would I would give to you, and it's the question that I I give out to a couple of buddies and a couple of coaches too that I that I talk to is after watching, you know, the first couple of months of college basketball, is there is there a clear cut favorite this year? If we watch, you know, if we watch games, is there a team that we feel like is just head and shoulders above the rest? And I feel like over the course of the last ten years, I think that that's really changed because. To me, previously, but you know, college basketball was there was a lot of parity. There were always good teams. There were always upsets, but when it came time to get into February and March, you always kind of had an idea of who the eight to ten teams were that were going to put themselves in a position to make a run. And I feel like this year, if you're ranked, I feel like you've got a chance. And you know, we're watching some of these now that we're into conference season. We're watching some of these conference games. You know, and there's teams that are struggling to hover around 500 that are knocking off some very quality right. opponents. Um, and I think some of that has obviously changed with the transfer portal. Um, I think college football is kind of in a similar boat. The NIL money, I think, has changed some of this because now you have universities that may be on a little bit more level playing field who can throw some money around at some of these kids. Uh, but to your point, and I'll see what you think, uh, just in watching this year, I think Purdue is one of those teams. I think Kansas is one of those teams. Uh, I like the Houston Cougars. I know they're currently ranked number two, but the things that they do defensively and the pace that they play with offensively. They're my favorite. Uh, right now, as long as I – and this pains me to say, but with Kelvin Sampson there, I think March is always going to be a time where you could look at Houston to make a run. Uh, and to another point that pains me to talk about, you and I spoke on this earlier. We both thoroughly enjoy watching the Kentucky Wildcats play. Ugh. I know I'm a big Reed Shepard fan. The Reeves kid that plays for them that transferred yeah. in, I'm a big fan of them. They play fast. They play hard. Uh, gosh, they've got shooters all across the board. They can knock down shots. And it's just an entertaining form of basketball for me. 
Um, and I like the run that Auburn is putting together right now. I, they're long, they're athletic, they, they get after it defensively, um, and they've got some guys on the offensive end that look like they're starting to put some things together, um, and they've gotten themselves ranked up inside the top 22. So uh, to say there's a clear-cut favorite, I don't know. Um, but to me, those are the handful of teams that I look at and think come March, uh, you would expect them to be the ones advancing and making a run. Okay, I'm glad that you um, – and I agree with this. I think Houston – Houston's my favorite program just because the way they teach defense is just awesome. Like, watching a program thrive on defense is so fun for a basketball fan. Um, but I'm glad you broke the ice. I didn't want to mention the Cats first. Um it was kind of a game of chicken here, I think. <laughs> um, but now that you've said it, I'm just going to say it. Reed Shepard's my favorite player in college basketball. If you ask any like Midwestern college basketball fan or basketball fan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky, to build their perfect basketball player, they would build Reed Shepard. Like he's everything. He's everything you want in a basketball player. He's in from you know this type of area. He does everything right. He defends at a high level. He shoots the ball at an extremely high level. He's projected, he's getting projected in the lottery, which is crazy. Like, you would not look yeah. at him and think, this is a lottery pick. Um, uh, I saw where the, he was projected for the Pacers to grab him. Hey, um, he's got a, he's got a skill, Cameron. Got, he's got a lot of skills. But, yeah, he, he can stroke, man. He's, I think they said he's on pace to beat Ray Armando's steal record. Okay. Um, I think I saw that, or he was at one point. Um, he's the kind of kid I would want to see stay multiple years in Kentucky. Like, he is the kind of guy that, like, a college town, you know, gets pumped about. He's a kid that's going to be really fun in March. Yeah. Um, Reed Shepard is my favorite, and I, like, I'm not, like, I don't like saying that about a Kentucky player, especially a John Calipari player. Um, because there's not really been anybody there that I've enjoyed at Kentucky during his tenure that much. But I saw a thing the other day on uh, social media where they said there will, in Kentucky, the number of kids that will be enrolling in elementary school in five years named Reed or Shepard will be an astronomical <laughs> number. Like, there's going to be a lot of kindergartners in, like, five years with that name. Like, everybody loves this kid. Yeah. Um, he's fun to watch in every way. I just think he's a perfect basketball player. Um I wish he was on a different college, but it's cool <laughs> with the story. You know, like his parents both played basketball yeah. in Kentucky. That that's a great story, and I'm and I'm okay with that. I'm not so much a Kentucky hater that I, you know, will despise it because I've I've liked watching him. He's definitely my favorite player in college basketball. Um, before I let you talk about um, the Indiana Hoosiers a little bit, I kind of want to mention a couple other uh, teams and programs and players that I've liked. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned them at the beginning of the year when we did a little preview that I like what Notre Dame has going on for the same reason that I like Purdue is they're following that formula. They're getting young Indiana kids. They play a ton of freshmen. They have last year's Mr. Basketball and Marcus Burton. Um, they have taken some lumps, like for sure this year, being yeah. the ACC, being a super young team. But I enjoy watching them play. And I think that they're trying to build something, uh, you know, that like Purdue has. And that's what I really like about it. There's a kid that's really interesting for Notre Dame, and I don't know if I've mentioned him before, but his name is Kerry Booth. His dad is an executive with the Nuggets. He's a freshman, 6'10". Um, I think his dad played in the NBA for the Nuggets. 
he's a guy that I think will be in college for you know like two or three years, but then will be a guy that that gets drafted. He's crazy good athlete, very skilled, but just just raw enough right now that it's you know hasn't quite clicked, but you can see yeah. it out there. So I'm throwing that name out and I've got a lot of Kerry Booth stock. Um, but I, I like I like the Irish. I like the balance of their team. I like that they've got a bunch of freshmen, and it seems like that uh, Coach Micah Shrewsbury is in a lot of Indiana gyms trying to get a lot of Hoosiers. Uh, we mentioned Trent Sisley earlier. I know that he's been and visited Notre Dame. I'd love to see that happen. Um, but I just like what Notre Dame's got going on. I like that there's a lot of Indiana schools that are trying to have an Indiana identity. The last Indiana college I want to talk about is the Sycamores. Indiana State. And they've got a guy that I think we're both pretty big fans of. Baby Jokic. Baby Jokic. I think, yeah, he's the Jokic of college basketball. <laughs> Robbie Avila, 15 points a game, about seven rebounds and four assists. Does not look like he should be out on a college basketball floor whatsoever. No, but he's the pride of the state of Illinois, and the Sycamores are lucky to have him. Dude, he's awesome. He's so much fun. <laughs> like, watching him out there against, again, looking like a kid that, you would not expect to be out there. The, the very, he is, he is the, like, white men jump kid that it's like, like I guess I'll take this guy, right? <laughs> but that's why, he's, that's why he's the, the Jokic of college basketball. He's fun. I, I couldn't, I couldn't like him anymore. Like, he's, I hope that they're in the NCAA tournament. I hope he gets, you know, like a little bit of fame, has a big game or something, because he, he needs to be recognized more. He's, he's too much fun. Indiana people like him. I know Illinois people like him. Um, I don't know. I, I want to see. I want to see four years of of Robbie Avila. He's he's a dude. <laughs> uh, you got any, you got any, uh, any more favorites, or are you uh, ready to talk some Indiana Hoosiers? I think we kind of jumped into the favorites a little bit, and I do like your point talking about Notre Dame and, and Coach Shrewsbury. You know, he him being a Hanover guy with with Indiana ties. It to me, it's great for the state of Indiana, obviously, because you've got a guy that's connected to Indiana that went to Hanover that's now coaching at a very high-profile Division I program, you know, Notre Dame being an ACC school. And I think you're going to start to see Notre Dame be represented by Indiana kids, and yes. which is what you want to see. It To me, again, like I said, it makes, it makes the game better. It makes it more entertaining. It, it may, gives me more of a vested interest in watching some of these teams across the state. Uh, as an Indiana fan, it also kind of pains me to see, you know, what Matt Painter's doing at Purdue with, with his recruiting of, of kids from across the state and getting Mr. Basketballs kind of at the rate that Indiana used to. And now with, with Shrewsbury at Notre Dame, you know, what kids is he now going to be able to go after with him already um, recruiting one Mr. Basketball in his first year at the helm there in South Bend? So uh, I think maybe it will – it has the chance, the opportunity to maybe wake Indiana up a little bit in their recruiting and maybe how seriously they take the state and maybe how aggressively they go after some of these kids um, and understanding that, you know, maybe there's not the luster to Indiana that maybe they think there is and some, you know, kids are willing to go other places and play for other universities across the state. So maybe it will, um, maybe it's a good thing that some of this stuff is happening because maybe it will open some eyes and, and uh, make the the coaching staff at Indiana a little bit more aggressive when it comes to pursuing some of the recruits that are in state that, you know, for Indiana fans, believe that those kids should be going to Bloomington. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things I think that 
is most disappointing about watching IU basketball is the lack of Indiana kids out there. Yeah, and, and I, like I completely agree. Like, I don't. I don't dislike some of the players they have. I think it, no, not at all. That's yeah. That's definitely not the point there. But yeah, no. I mean, there, there's some talent that's there. You know, you have a kid like Hello Ware, who's the big one of the biggest kids in college basketball and has a ton of talent. But it's frustrating to see. You know, hey, I, you know, I, I wish that there were just some kids that were on Bloomington's radar a little more. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think about the Indiana Hoosiers as a whole right now? I was going to wait and save this toward the end, but I'm going to start off with it. Okay. Go Indiana it. basketball is Nebraska football. Okay. I think we've officially reached that point to where the fan base is holding on to all of the successes of years past. Yeah. I feel like Nebraska football fans kind of do the same thing. They pack that stadium every single Saturday through the entire football season, and – then they go 500. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Indiana's kind of sitting in the same boat. I mean, we're looking at the last time they were in a Final Four was 2002. The last time they went past the Elite Eight was 2002. They've had, I believe, two Sweet 16 appearances since 2002. Both of those were with Coach Crean. Um, And... Even then, the, you know, the Sweet 16 that they made the run with the number one team in the country fell to a Syracuse zone because they couldn't bust the zone. Um, Indiana basketball is just in an interesting spot for me. I'm, you know, I'm checking that they've got a game with Rutgers as we speak, and they're currently getting rolled again in Piscataway. I don't know what it is with Rutgers basketball that just absolutely has Indiana's number, but IU cannot play with Rutgers when it comes to basketball, and that's another one of those points that's just going to eat at Indiana fans because, again, that Nebraska football mentality, there's always teams that you're supposed to go beat. And I think in a lot of Indiana fans' minds, Rutgers is a team that you shouldn't lose to in basketball. And right now, Rutgers has a winning record against Indiana since they've been in the Big Ten. That's a problem. Uh, And looking at some of the other things, uh, you know, guard play I think was something that people were high on. With Indiana coming into this season, I know uh, my thought was we're going to have a 60-year point guard in Xavier Johnson. He's not going to turn the ball over. Uh, He's a serviceable scorer, distribute the basketball. He's great in the pick and roll. And then looking at pairing him with Trey Galloway, I think the thought with a lot of people was we've got the best defensive backcourt in the Big Ten. And when it comes to playing Indiana, Big Ten guards are going to have a real problem going up against Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway and that's not quite worked itself out. Uh, no. You know, when we think about it from a, a shooting perspective, at one point tonight against Rutgers, they were 3 of 12 from the free throw line. Yeah, their, the their team three-point percentage is abysmal. You and I have said almost at nauseum, you know, you could go find 100 kids in Indiana that will shoot 40% from the three-point line if you just offer them a scholarship. Uh, yeah. I think right now you could probably go pick any, and I use that term, any high school team in Indiana, and they're going to shoot a better free throw percentage than 3 of 12. Uh, yeah. so, i got a couple of potential Panthers, man, that would love to get in the gym. Shoot. No doubt. I think, you know, there's kids across the states like, hey, you know, give me some candy stripes and put me in, coach. I, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah free throw. 
you know, the, the defense obviously is a problem. In Woodson's first year, they were a top 20 ranked defense statistically. Uh, in the second year, they were a top 40 defense statistically in the nation. And we're coming into the third year where you would think you're making progress. And we're looking at them being a top 150 defense. And so I don't know if that's personnel. I don't know if that's, in some cases, in watching the games, it looks like it's kids not picking up on the defensive schemes. Um, one of the things that Indiana does is they overhelp from one pass away. And one of the gripes is the amount of open three-point looks that Indiana gives up. And a lot of that comes from the defensive strategy of playing the passing lane and overhelping from one pass away on every single drive, and it does. It leaves a quick kick out for an open three, or if the defense recovers, you have an open three on the second pass. Um, and so those adjustments are things that, that people talk about and that they would like to see. Um, but it's the same defensive scheme that Coach Woodson ran when he coached the Knicks. Um, you know, there's been some things on Twitter and videos posted of how his Knicks teams played defense, and it was overhelping from one pass away. Um, the rebounding situation, I've, I've watched too many instances where 7'1", 7'2", whatever they list them at, Khalil Ware or Malik Renew, they ball watch. And in some cases, all, all five guys on the floor are guilty of ball watching when a shot goes up. And as we know in the Big Ten, as physical as it is, if you don't go put a body on somebody, you don't want to go play volleyball in the Big Ten and hope you come down with the rebound. Um, but that's things that, that you and I both talk about with high school basketball. And that's stuff that, to me, you coach at a very young age is go find a guy, go find a body, go block out, and you know secure the rebound. Don't hope that you're going to go out and jump somebody. And to me, that's kind of what they're doing. And then leadership, I think, um, is probably a little bit in question with that IU team right now. And to me, Indiana basketball looks like everybody else. Um, there's not really um, a sense of superiority. There's not really a sense of this is how we do things, this is how we get things done. It doesn't appear that there's a whole lot of vocal leadership on the floor or in the locker room. Um, I know that the team has quote-unquote captains, but I don't know that if you just picked them out of a lineup, if you would know who the captains were. Uh, I think some fans across the board were hoping that it would be Trey Galloway. I don't know that he's necessarily – I think he's a leader by example by probably being in there every single day trying to do the right things, get to the right spots, but he's not a vocal leader. Uh, you know, Xavier Johnson, who's supposed to be your six-year senior captain, gets ejected tonight for hitting a guy below the belt in the middle of the game. And then you've got, you know, <laughs> you know you've got a sophomore, Malik Renew, who's probably not ready to take on the leadership. And then you've got, you know, the sophomore and Khalil Ware, who's a transfer coming in, so it's not really his place to, to be that leader. I think Gabe Cups has shown some flashes of some leadership qualities, but he's a freshman backup point guard. And that's a tough spot to come into a role, you know, when you've got some senior-laden guys on the roster. Do you step on toes, and, and how do you go about addressing that? So there are more questions than there are answers for the Hoosiers right now. I hate it, uh, but it's becoming a situation where, where games are hard to watch and because you don't know night in, night out what kind of effort you're going to get, which team is going to show up. They're completely different on the road than they are at home, and 
some things are going to have to work themselves out. I know the transfer portal in theory is supposed to fix your problems, um, but I do think it's time that Indiana basketball get back to recruiting some homegrown Indiana kids who can simply shoot the basketball, play defense, and and represent the program in the right way. I'll let you kind of speak onto it a little bit. You've seen some of it too, and uh, we can carry carry on and wrap, and wrap this part of it up. Well, you know, I just have a question for you, actually, um, because I don't watch a ton of Indiana Hoosier basketball. Um, but I have this question as I as I as I've watched Coach Woodson um, in his third year, correct? Third year at Indiana. Yeah. Well. My question is this, and it starts with this point. So watching the NBA, I see a lot of NBA GMs take this approach or what they're not doing it publicly, but it's evident. If you stockpile draft picks, okay, you um, lengthen the amount of time you have that job because, well, I, I'm building for the future. I trade away assets. I have picks for 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28, right? I've got, I've got first-round picks for the next several years. You've right. got to let me see this out. Now, teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's clearly panned out. Some of these teams can do that. But my thought is this. Does someone like Coach Woodson, and I think some other coaches take this approach too, where he's always – recruiting top 25 guys. He's always talking about guys that he's trying to recruit top 25 and he'll grab a, oh, he got a five-star. That's all I heard about. What's his name? Uh, you know, he's a five-star guy. He's a five-star yeah. guy. You know, as long as you've got that happening, he recruited a five-star. He's got, you know, top 25 guys visiting every year. Is that the same philosophy? That That's my question. I, you know, and maybe I'm posing it to you, but also just throwing it out there. Is it the same philosophy as if I stockpile draft picks, I have a longer job? Well, if I continue to say I've brought in such and such person, that's the best I can do because I, I am out there trying to recruit. I am out there bringing in a five-star guy. Um, so, I don't know. That's kind of what I'm throwing at you. That, is that something you see where it looks like you know, maybe the effort isn't there for what the team identity is, but as long as you've got a five-star quote-unquote guy – um, or a top 25 guy that's sitting behind the bench on a recruiting trip, you're doing your job. That's just what it looks like to me. I don't know. I'm kind of going to throw that at you. Yeah, that's an I've not really contemplated that point, but I think maybe there's some accuracy to that because when you think about the roster makeup and the current state kind of of college basketball across the board, one of the things that I think fan bases, athletic directors, and donors want to see, if I'm going to pile money into an NIL account, I want to make sure it's going to five-star kids, right? Yeah. My rebuttal question to you would be, how overrated is the attempt at bringing in the five-star kid? So that's that's what I'm trying to say here. Exactly. Like that's, you know, um, in, in the NBA, the pick is more valuable than the player, right? Right. Uh, it's really valuable to say I have a first-round pick. Well, now do something with it. You know, you look at the UConn Huskies last year who won a championship. Are those guys that were crazy highly recruited that you that you heard about, um, you know, going into college? Some of them kind of, right? When you look at Gonzaga, they don't always have guys that you hear about. You know, with the exception of Holmgren, you don't, you know, hear people writing home about some of these programs that, that have these things. You know, and even these teams right now who are who are ranked really high, Houston gets their guys. 
Um, but well, you don't hear a ton about them going to the next level. Purdue, to me, is a perfect example locally yeah. of a, a program that, for whatever reason, they have a model that they stick to. It doesn't include stockpiling their roster with five-star kids. But somehow, every single year, they put themselves in a position to win the Big Ten title. The last three to four years, they've been in a conversation of, are they going to win the national championship? Seriously have underperformed, right? But they're still in the conversation, and they're doing it without those guys on the top of the ESPN rankings. And I think maybe there are coaches that fall in love with the ranking system and wanting to bring in a certain numbered player, for lack of a better term, and just to say that they've recruited that level of kid. When in, to me, you need to recruit the kid that's going to be best for your program. Who's going to help you win? And occasionally, yeah, as we've seen with Kentucky, occasionally the kid that's there for a year that is just head and shoulders better in that moment, that does help you win. But in a lot of cases, Gonzaga, to your point, sometimes you are better off to build with. Uh, sometimes you're better off to build with uh, with experience and with kids that are going to be there for four years. Yeah, so I think that's I think there's two philosophies in college basketball, and I think that's kind of what we're both getting at here. There's job security coaching and there is competing for the national championship coaching um if you want job security that's the coach cal method and i'm going to call it that because he has won one national title and had you know the greatest recruiting classes we've ever seen how have you only won one national title with the teams that you've had this game let's let's break down to some broke just basketball philosophy here derek this game is five players interacting, and it's all about chemistry and putting guys in their best spots. You can have high-ranked everything, but the game comes down to chemistry, period. You build a program with the style of players that you think best fit, and you continue to execute within that. The best example is Villanova. When Jay Wright was at Villanova, it seemed like they had the exact same players come back every single year. They replaced guys with, I mean, like, remember when they had Ryan Archidiacono and then they replaced him with uh, the other point guard, whose name I'm missing right now, but who is almost identical. You know, they go get the same kind of guard. They go get the same kind of big man. And Purdue has that same model. They go get some freaky huge guy, okay, and they just go get tough as nail guards. And they play Purdue basketball. And I think that's the ticket. You know, recruiting a high class doesn't seem like it equivocates to national championship. Let's go look at the number one picks. When's the last number one pick to win a national title? Yeah. Davis? Yeah. Correct? Is it Anthony? Yeah, it should be Anthony Davis, right? Yeah, Anthony Edwards didn't win one. Kate Cunningham didn't win one. He's the number one pick, and they've won three games. But in Detroit, the number one picks. You know, they go on to do great things in the NBA, but, you know, when's the last time a top 10 pick won a national title? You know, how many times do we see that? Um, and I'm no sure doubt. there would be some more there, but but that's kind of my point. We don't see these top 25 guys that go straight to the pros win national titles. You have to approach the game differently. Yeah, and I just I'm, – I'm with you. I think it's 100% based on how you recruit, what your emphasis is. Uh, 
you know, you and I were talking before even coming on, but kind of go to, to beat the drum a little bit on IU, but also, you know, kind of talking about Purdue here too. Uh, the teams over the last several years that have won national championships have had an NBA level backcourt. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's one play, whether it's your point guard or whether it's both guys, they've had an NBA caliber backcourt. And to me, if you're going to win a national championship, you have to recruit to an NBA caliber backcourt. You have to recruit great guards. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to recruit the one and done point guard or something like that, because I like the way that Purdue's built their guard system the last several years. I think Braden Smith's obviously going to be a four-year player. By the time he's a senior, think about how quality of a guard he's going to be. Yeah. He's already made leaps and bounds from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Think about how much better he's going to be in two more years. Uh, does that mean he's going to be an NBA player? Possibly, uh, if he continues to improve. Uh, but the, the teams that do well in the tournament, the teams that succeed in March – they have NBA-level backcourts, and I think that that's one of the things that teams need to start looking at and recruiting to that point. And then they have not only a point guard that is a leader that gets the job done, but then they have guys around the floor who can shoot the basketball. The game has changed so much, and you know Steph Curry and Klay Thompson have a lot to do with that out there in Golden State and the way that they run their offense. But if you don't have guys who can stretch the floor and make defenses have to play you honestly – and get out and cover guys to, again, create that space that you and I talk about to open up the middle of the floor, you're just asking for trouble. And I think the Indiana Hoosiers fall kind of into that category. They don't have guys that other teams respect well enough to keep a defense honest because they don't have the shooters on the perimeter. You know, they don't have the NBA-caliber backcourt. They have an NBA-caliber big man. But at the same time, if you're not surrounding him with guys on the perimeter who he can kick the ball out to and defenses have to cover, does it really do you any good? No, it does not. Uh, yeah, I agreed. Um, you know, that's that's interesting. I feel like maybe we should have some coaches on to, have, to discuss that philosophy because I think that that may be the, the split in college basketball right now. Um, great college discussion here. We're going to take a break and come back and talk a little NBA basketball. Sounds good. All right, it's time to talk some serious basketball now. We're going, we're going NBA. That's what they're waiting for. Um, I, you know, it's funny. This is probably the year that I've watched the NBA the least in maybe my entire life, and not that I'm paying attention, but just I just haven't been able to catch games as much as what I normally do. Um, but this is one of the most interesting years because there is a real parity in the league right now. There is so much talent and no team that you can just say, oh, yeah, I guarantee you that that's, that's the number one team. And it's becoming that right. way more and more each year. And teams that are not that good on paper are really good. Um, and teams that are not good have two or three guys that are so talented, they're fun to watch. Um, so I kind of wanted to just maybe have a discussion about who we thought the best teams were, who maybe our favorite teams in each conference um, or why they're your favorite, or, or what you see from them. Um, you know, maybe who who you think could be a finals favorite right now. I know we had a, a, a you know a preseason discussion about all of this, which was really good stuff. Um, I, I will say right now before we get started, I we talked about the, the most interesting teams coming into the year. We made some predictions. Um, I went pretty 
heavy into how interesting I thought the Detroit Pistons would be. <laughs> and if we're going to continue to use the word interesting. I was going to say, they've been interesting. They've been very interesting. Um, I think maybe what I was talking about is not quite what's come to pass. <laughs> However, if we're just going to stick with that word, let's let's continue to say that I was spot on to say the Detroit Pistons are the most interesting team in the league right now. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty unique situation. I'm not going to mention them in my top five. I don't see them getting hot anytime soon. A um, couple quick stories before we talk into that. We have... Detroit obviously having the biggest uh, losing streak in the history of the league. Um, 28 games. They have lost Cade Cunningham for a short period of time, so that should possibly, you know, be even worse for them. He was on, at least he was looking good. Um, and then the Memphis Grizzlies get John Morant back for about 10 games or less, and then now he's had a season-ending yeah. surgery. Um, those are two teams that now I think are obviously, in mean, Detroit obviously, in full tank mode. But what Memphis would look like without Jaw wasn't great. And now to lose him again, they are really rethinking their season. Um, I'm not a huge John Morant fan right now due to a lot of the off-the-court stuff. Right. But uh, he, you definitely saw the impact when the kid got back in the gym. Uh, so I'm curious to see what Memphis will look like um, now and maybe what they'll look like coming, uh, you know, going into next year. Maybe they'll get a high pick and then they can be something interesting. Um, but right now there are some teams that are absolutely loaded and very, very difficult to beat. And this will be, I think, the most stacked playoffs we've seen in several years. Uh, let's talk Eastern Conference basketball. Um, I'd like to hear maybe your five favorite guys going uh, into the midway point of the season right now. Ooh, my five favorite guys. Uh, maybe our five favorite teams, rather. You know, my okay. favorite groups. <clears throat> like, uh, what are, what are, the, what are the, the, maybe the five teams you take the most seriously right now? In the Eastern Conference? Yes, sir. You got to put Boston up there, legitimate contender. Philly, I think, is a quiet contender right now. I think maybe they need one more piece um, getting into the All Star break, but I do think they're a quiet contender. Joel Embiid uh, and Maxi is a great one two punch. Uh, and I feel like Embiid's really gotten an opportunity to kind of take control and be given the reins of that organization again, which is a good thing for the 76ers. Uh, Milwaukee, obviously, with Giannis, Dame, and Chris Middleton. They're a legitimate contender to come out of the East. And from there, I think you kind of almost have a crapshoot. I mean, from there, the the East is fun because it's going to be so matchup-oriented. We talk about, like I just said, Milwaukee, legitimate contender, but they are 1-4 against the Pacers this year. So I think the Eastern Conference especially, and maybe even the Western Conference to a large degree, is going to be so matchup contingent on how different teams match up against each other. Uh, I like the Knicks. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, adding OG Ananobi to that squad who brings them an entirely different level of energy. Uh, And I think for him, probably has a little bit maybe of a resurgence and. And maybe, you know, kind of puts him on a little bit of a different trajectory coming out of Toronto. Uh, and, and then from there, you know, I do. I like the Pacers. I can't go on without not talking about them. But, you know, and then there's Cleveland. You wonder what what type of second half of the season are the Cavaliers going to have and will they right their shit? Because you and I were pretty high on them, uh, yeah. you know, back in October before the season started. So the East is going to be interesting. Obviously the top three teams, I think, are pretty well solidified. But after that, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. 
I, I think for me, absolutely matchup-based, it is 100% can you take advantage of a mismatch in a playoff series and exploit it. Yeah. Um, and that's it, because there's no, oh, this team's just better or has more talent. Because you know what? In in the playoff teams, there's no lack of talent. Period. Right. I mean, really, the teams that aren't very good. Um, but it's all matchup-based. I mean, I think it's definitely Boston's a front-runner than the number one net team, the number one offense. Uh, I mean, the Pacers have had the number one offense, but... Um, as the season's gone on, Boston's offense has continued to just, um, and nobody exploits a mismatch like the Boston Celtics. Yeah, Porzingis has been such a special piece for them in a way that they just they'll just post up your smallest guy on a switch as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I think this is the best Philly team that they've had with Embiid. I mean, and what I'm saying that is like people would say, of course, but like they've been the number one ranked team in the NBA a couple of times when they've had Harden, when they've had Ben Simmons. You know, you have Harden, Ben Simmons, and all these guys, and Max is his best teammate. Yeah. Um, Nick Nurse has made a huge impact. You and I both talked about that. Like, he was going to be huge. He's a, Nick Nurse is a genius. He's a genius. They had the best defense uh, for a significant portion of the season. They're off. The ball movement um, is something that they haven't had before. It's been dominated by James Harden. It's been dominated by Embiid, and now the ball's moving a lot, and Embiid's scoring more. Um, because the spacing and movement is is amazing. Um, I, I like this Philly team. I think if they put it together, this is their year to go to the championship. I don't know if they can beat Boston, but if they're going to do it, this is the time because Embiid is the best scorer in the league right now, and they have, I think, the best coach in the league and the best offense and defense they've had in the Embiid tenure. Yeah, um, no doubt. As my The team I like in the East that you were talking about too is New York. They've just got grit, and they've. Um, I think the addition of OG Ananobi is not being talked about enough. That's a good basketball team. The New York Knicks are a good basketball team. Um, they don't have the same talent that some of these other teams do. Um, you know, when you're looking at, um, you know, Philly and Boston, like you don't yeah. see on paper like the same, but they're for real. Um, I love New York. Um, the team that I have question marks on is Milwaukee. Um, I don't really know what to think about them. Like, obviously, they're really good, but like you said, they're just weird. Like, they lose to the Pacers. They obviously have a ton of talent, but I don't know. They're not the same Milwaukee team that they've had before, and I just think it's a it's a, a different squad. Um, I don't really know what to think of them because I think Boston's better and I think Philly's better. And I think if they got into a series with New York, I don't think it would be an easy series. Um, so Milwaukee's my question mark team, but I could also see where you're talking matchups where in the playoffs it's, oh, we can't guard Lillard and right. Giannis in the half court in there. So I don't know. I'd be very interested to see that. My other team is just the, um, like, how can we not talk about, like, just watch out for Miami, man. They're going to make a move at the deadline. Yeah, and you gotta they are. They just extended Eric Spolster today. Um, extend his contract and obviously deserving but you know the Magic right now are top five in the East I don't know how seriously I take Orlando in a playoff series um, it's cool that they're young and they're good um, yeah. they definitely put something up but I don't necessarily look at them and see hey Orlando is a team that's going to sneak in to the Eastern Conference Finals right um, Miami's that lookout team because I mean they're going to grab somebody at the deadline yep. like they're going to end up with like Zach Levine from Chicago <laughs> Or something, and then it's like, oh, hey, let's just have another shooter around Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. Um, by the way, a team maybe not talking about that would sneak in and grab somebody like Zach. 
Oh, Miami will make the move that the Lakers should make. Yes. And it will propel Miami to the Eastern Conference Finals is what's going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're going to snag somebody that's like, oh, in L.A. waited too long. Yeah. Or they're going to, yeah. So, or they're going to go trade for LeBron. That's the rumor. <laughs> um, they're, they're going to Bronny USC games. They're going to bring both the Jameses in. It's the rumor, man. That's a big promise. Uh, that's right. Uh, but I don't know, the, East is, the East is so weird, but um, I don't know. Boston looks like a team that when everyone's healthy is just. Yeah, I agree. Unbeatable. I agree. Western Conference, um, the West has the most fun teams because they're so young. And they shouldn't be as good as they are. You know, like the Clippers right now are in the top five. They're like third. I don't take Clippers seriously at all. And I think that's the last time we should talk about the Clippers. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, but like, not a Clippers I, podcast. It's not a, not a Clippers episode. Sorry. I don't look at the Clippers and think, oh, yeah, they're going to make a run in the playoffs. Do you? I won't. I, the Clippers have to do something before I legitimately sit here and want to have a conversation about them. I'll give you that. They've got yeah. to prove to me that they can go into the playoffs and, and win a series and make themselves serious. I like. I hate to say that, and I think they're winning just because they have enough experienced superstars, but yeah. I don't look at them in a the playoffs and think, oh, man, the Clippers will. The Clippers might end up in the Western Conference Finals. I, I don't take them remotely seriously. Um, uh, you know, but I think... Right now, still the best team in the West, I still think, is Denver. I think they're yeah. the team to beat in a playoff series. I think they've got the experience and they know how to get there. Um, there's one team I think you and I should talk about right now for a minute, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder, because I think that's the most fun team in the West. The To me, that's the second best team in the West. I, I, I think it is, too. I, I think it's fun that, like, they're so young. Everyone kept saying, oh, they're going to be a sneaky team that hangs around, and they're, they were number one in the power rankings today in the NBA. They're young, but they are so incredibly confident. Oh, my gosh. If that makes sense. Like, they yeah. play older than they are, and it's like these guys just have an opinion of themselves. Like, hey, listen, we may all be 23, 24 years old and younger, but we are so incredibly confident it doesn't matter. Yeah, they talk heat culture in the East a lot. I think there's going to be some West Coast Thunder culture talk here pretty right. soon. They clearly have something that they look for when they draft. Yeah. Um, one, it's you have to be crazy skinny, and your wingspan has to be double your height. Yes. Um, that that might be number one. Like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy and Chet Holmgren have unbelievable wingspans. Um, they've, but they all have. They're really high IQ players. They're all very quirky for their position. Like not one person looks like, oh, that's your that's your definite point guard or your definite center. You know what I mean? Like nobody is a stereotypical for their position player. Yeah, hundred percent. And and maybe that's a good thing because matchup wise, like how do you guard them? And then any matchup, Shea Gilgis Alexander just scores it. There's nobody in the league that can guard him. I think I think we're gonna talk about him in a minute. I think he's the best guard in the NBA right now. That's. That's a conversation you have to have, for sure. And he's he is he is like the guard version of what Embiid is. Like any matchup, oh, you know, if there's a guard on Embiid or a smaller guy he takes him right to the basket, if there's a big, he's gonna shoot a jumper or cross him over. With Shea, you get him in the same spot. They get to that high post and there's no matchup. 
up no, and he's he, going to go right around and a guard he just bullies. He, he's like the guard in bead to me. Um, you you cannot deal with him. Um, OKC is so fun, and they're kind of a team I, I hope makes a run. Like, I like Chet Holmgren. I like, like you said, they play with a confidence. They're not here to, to build over the next couple of years. They want to go compete. I don't think they could beat someone like Denver in a seven-game series. Yeah, that's um, fair. But, but who knows? Um, I, I really hope they're a team that, that makes a run. I hope they're not first round and out. Um, but I don't think they're a team that will be because I think they're just they're just tougher and smarter than a lot of teams are. Um, yeah. But there's uh, some young teams in the West that I really find fun. How, how seriously do you take the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, serious enough, I've got them at my number three spot. That's right. On mentioned. my list, yeah. I mean, I've got the, I've got Denver obviously, and then the Thunder we just talked about, and I've got Minnesota at three. I think you have to take them seriously. It kind of feels like a little bit kind of like OKC, even though OKC's younger and you've got Cat and you've got Edwards, but it feels like the young kids on Minnesota have grown up and gotten their stuff together. Agreed. If that makes sense. You know, the, the old adage is if something's not going right, you know, cut your hair and get serious. Well, the Timberwolves have done that. And I think yeah. it's starting to show and starting to pay dividends with having two of the, the best players in the league on your roster. And to me, arguably the best two guard on their roster in the, in the NBA and Edwards. And I think you've got to take Minnesota seriously. Yeah, I don't know what they look like in a playoff series. Again, you know, there's there's so much Gobert talk in the playoffs that has to be taken seriously. But I think this generation of American NBA players, where like the European guys of this generation that have come up the past couple of years, Luka and Jokic, are dominating the league. But what I think is so interesting is the guys like Anthony Edwards and Shea Gilgis-Alexander – um, Kate Cunningham, you're not hearing a lot of them on social media, with the exception of John Ray. Um, you're not hearing a lot of, about them off the court, and it seems like they just come back every year and get better. Yeah, Edwards just comes back every year and gets better. Um, I'm going to talk about him in a minute, too. Shea just comes back every year and gets better. And it seems like a couple of these teams are starting to build that culture with them. OKC has that. Minnesota clearly has a group that they're like, no, this is our team. Anthony Edwards and and, and Kat. And Rudy, like they seem like that's the group they want to really roll with. I mean, they're the number one ranked team in the West. I mean, I don't think they're better than Denver, but Anthony Edwards is going to have a you know a couple playoff series this year where you know he looks like you know the best player in the league because right now he's got um, I you know I don't know I don't know if I would take a two guard over him right now, with the exception of maybe no. Shea if you got him as a two guard. No, I, th- I don't I don't think there's a better two guard in the NBA. I think so, too. Um, my other two teams I have, and just because I think they're fun, um, Sacramento, I just think they're going to roll. Okay. I think Sacramento hasn't been healthy. They've got everybody back now, and they've had it for a significant sample size. They're going to roll. They can score. They move the ball too well. They have the best shooting all around, I think, in the league. Um, Sacramento's just going to be up there and the discussion at the end of the year. I don't think they're compete for a championship with these other teams. But they're going to be in that top five finish. And my other group is the Pelicans. And the reason I, I like the Pelicans is I love their personnel, and I just think they could be special. Okay. They have so much depth, so much shooting, and they have two, uh, you know, one very unique player, or not very unique, one unique player in, in Zion and then Brandon Ingram. They have two superstars in such a cast that they should be a team that does make a run. They've got such an interesting group. And... You know, Zion, I feel like, is the guy that everyone's waiting on to take them to the next level. 
But I think in a playoff series, they're a team that could exploit matchups like that. Um, I just I want them to be good because they have such an interesting group. Um, but I think the West is the most fun for me because you're seeing teams that have such interesting personnel and such personality um, that I like the OKCs and Minnesotas and Pelicans out there. Yeah, I think you know we're we're setting up for a good second half of the season, and the playoffs again. I think we both are in agreement are going to be matchup based, uh, but I think regardless, the teams that we're talking about, one of the teams that we're talking about from the West, Nuggets, Thunder, Minnesota. I think it's one of those three that probably comes out unless the Lakers do something crazy at the deadline and make themselves better. Uh, and Eastern Conference, it's probably it's probably Boston or or Milwaukee, uh, but gosh, it's it's going to be fun watching the process play out and how it gets yeah. there. Agreed, agreed. All right, so now 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 we're going to throw this out here because just talking about the teams too much makes me want to have this discussion. <laughs> I, I want I want I want a power ranking top five players in the league right now for you. I'm going to go. So I put go, mine go five to one. I put mine by position. So if I were to put okay. together, I looked at this, if I were going to structure a team, who would I want one through five? I like this. I did not do that, but I like this. This and is I'll my go, first team NBA so far for me. I'll go center, I'll go center to point guard because I, th- I, I'm, I want to talk about my point guard. Okay, awesome. At center, again, there's three or four legitimate options. I'm going to take Jokic because of the things he can do. Yeah. I mean, he's a walking triple-double, and – he doesn't even really take the game seriously. Like the him hitting the game winner against Golden State was the first legitimate. He celebrated harder after hitting that shot than he did after he won the title. I think he was just glad the game was over. <laughs> um, that, he, didn't want to, he didn't want to go to overtime. Very well could have been the case. He probably had some sort of dinner, or I'm sure that there was some sort of horse race he had that he had to watch back home on his phone or something. But so I want Jokic at the center. Uh, Power forward, I think, is probably an easy one. It's Giannis. Oh yeah. Um, the things he can do, I thought. Uh, I thought Rick Carlisle, the coach of the Pacers, made an interesting point in talking about defending and trying to game plan for a guy like Giannis. He said, "You're just trying to keep him under 50." And <laughs> a lot of what he does, you know, reminds you a little bit of prime LeBron. In that, you just have to ask yourself, how do we guard this guy? Because once he gets downhill. And he gets his shoulders into you, or he gets leverage. It's game over. It is. Uh, you can only hope to wrap him up or foul him and send him to the free throw line. But once he gets ahead of steam, going to the rim, he's almost unguardable. Uh, at my small forward, it's a little bit of a surprise pick. I'm going to take Kawhi. I think he's had okay. a. I think he's had a quietly successful year. Um, this is a situation where he's actually playing in games. He's not doing the whole. Uh, load management thing as consistently as he was the NBA. I love the fact that they kind of put a little bit of a stop to it, not a complete stop, but sort of a stop as far as capping the number of guys that you can set. Uh, And like you said, I'm not necessarily going to take the Clippers seriously until they prove something, but I think Kawhi's having a a quiet, pretty effective year in L.A., and I think things are starting to work out there. It seems like he and Paul George – um, the more time they spend on the floor, the better off they seem to be. And bringing in James Harden, which I was not in support of that trade, but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily hurt their organization. either. They, they seem to be playing okay. When those three are on the floor together, they have a pretty good record. Uh, they do. 
They do. And I think obviously the the small forward position is one that you could probably argue and debate about. You got LeBron, you've got Jimmy Butler, you've got some guys across the league that you could put in that spot. But for me, I'm going to go Kawhi at the three. We both said Anthony Edwards is the best two guard in the league, so I'm going to put him at the shooting guard. And at my point guard, if this team could guard their own shadow or a stationary chair to play a little bit of defense. I think that this guy is legitimately in the in the MVP conversation. That's Tyrese Halliburton. Absolutely. Uh, I think he sort of almost put himself solidly in the best point guard in the league conversation. And the things that he's able to do offensively and the number of assists, I think he had a three-game span where he had 54 assists and zero turnovers. He did. That is I mean, correct. The stuff he's doing on the offensive end with, with leading the Pacers – um, unfortunately, he's going to be out for two weeks and get reevaluated on that hamstring strain. But what he's meant to that team and that organization, uh, I've got to put him at my point guard position. Yeah, that was an ugly injury he had the other night, too. That was tough. It was um, certainly weird looking, and I would have probably torn several things had I oh my had my legs gone the directions that his did. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been so fun. And, like, with, with, Ranking my five, um, I'm going to continue your point with him because I've got him in my okay. top five. Either. I'm going to go five right. to one, and I've got him at number five. Um, he's leading the number one offense in the league, and it is clearly run through him. And now Boston's has been on the rise the past couple weeks. I mean, he's, you know, mm-hmm. I think Boston may end up catching that just because of the consistency of how Burton's going to be out. And I think the big issue for the Pacers is that they don't, they don't guard. But... He's something special. Like, Halliburton's something really special. And I wrote down here um, on my notes that he's Nash-like. Like, this is this is a Steve Nash-like player who is leading an offense that is generating um, this amazing offense that we're watching. Yeah. Um, at four, I've got the A-man. I've got Anthony Edwards. I think that um, he is um, maybe the best Two-guard, it depends on where you rank Shea Gilders-Alexander as a position. So I'm not going to maybe give him that just because it's SGA a one or a two. Um, here's my um, Ant-Man take, though, and I've got him at four. And we'll see about Wimby, but I think Ant-Man's the best number one pick in a decade. Okay. I think maybe in the past ten years, I don't know if I would take another number one pick over Anthony Edwards. That's fair. Um Based on what he's done, I mean, there's been some good ones. I mean, I think just outside of the decade mark is Anthony Davis. So maybe that would be tough to say. But um, even with, with what Zion Williamson's produced, I think I still like what Anthony Edwards does as a leader yeah. of the team and as a, a guy that's an all-star. I mean, yeah. I, I love what he's got going on. I love that he's taking control of that team in Minnesota and he's building it up there. So I've got him at four just because he's leading the number one team in the West right now. Um, the best guard in the NBA, though. Um, you know, regardless of what Edwards and, and Halliburton are doing, I love them. Is Shea Gilders Alexander? Um, they were ranked number one in the power rankings today. They are reaching a new level. I think he is the best guard in basketball. He's averaging over thirty points a game. The reason I think they're scary in the playoffs is at the end of games in playoffs, you have a guard who is going to get you any shot you want. To me. I've not seen that maybe out of a team the past couple of years. I mean, you had Curry, but Curry's a little different than that. Yep. Um, to me, this is a guy that 
can get the mid-range shot, can get to the basket, is going to get to the free throw line, he is, to me, going to be a playoff nightmare because what are you going to do in the fourth quarter and they're just going to be hunting for the matchup they want every single time. So I'm I'm really excited to see what SGA looks like in a playoff series. So yeah. those are my, my three guys there. My top two is a hard debate um, for me, but I've got Joel Embiid at number two. He's 35 points a game right now on 53.5% shooting. He is unguardable, and he's the best scorer in the league. Yeah. Um, this is the best version of the Sixers we've seen. This is the best version of him we've seen. There is no way to deal with him. You were talking about Giannis. I don't have Giannis in my top five right now. Um, Embiid's the same way. And the thing about Embiid is he's not looking to score every time because they've got such a good offense. But what's crazy about Embiid is he averages more points than minutes. He's scoring every time he touches the floor and every time he touches the ball. Um, I think he's the best scorer. He might be the best scorer we've seen this century. Um, no disrespect to Kobe Bryant. I know LeBron's the all-time leading <laughs> scorer, but in terms of the efficiency numbers, if, if that makes sense, like, I understand. Like Maybe he's not going to beat those scoring records in terms of longevity, but with the efficiency that this guy can score at his size, it's pretty unbelievable. So I'm going to have a number two, and then number one, I don't know if I mentioned how much I like this guy before on here. But Nikola Jokic. <laughs> I was I was unaware, as were the listeners, that you were so high on Jokic. I know it's going as a shock to everybody. But so, like, so I want you to like seriously think about this for a second. Like, this guy is truly at the peak, truly at the peak of his powers right now. I think we've got to start talking about this guy in the category of like one of the absolute all-time greats. There's nothing on the floor this guy can't do. Yeah. In his past four games, he's missed five shots. He's shooting like almost 90% in his past four games. The other night, he had four points, and he just had 16 assists because they could wear out um, you know, the Detroit Pistons. He, The games he doesn't have to score, he takes three or four shots and then controls it with ball movement. I think he's the best player in the league, and it's not even close. Yeah. And I think this guy's going to go down as a <laughs> – I think he's kind of a top-ten guy, dude. I'm serious. I mean, I think they win a couple more championships. I think you know, he may not get another MVP because they don't like to give it to guys multiple times, but at one point this year he had the most points, the most rebounds, and the most assists through like two months of the season. And I think he's still up there. He's in the top five in all of those offensive categories, and he's the most efficient version of that. I don't know. I I know I talk about him a lot, but watching this year and the way they're just picking teams apart, I don't think there's anybody better in the league. I don't even think it's a discussion. No, not right now. I think there's guys that are close, but as far as who's the best player in the league, until somebody proves it, and sort of takes that takes that torch from him. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, going back to the early 2000s and, and Kobe, you know, until until somebody announces themselves and or he decides to pass the torch, I mean. It's not happening. Yeah, right. 100%. Um, I don't know. I think this season's really fun. I think the playoffs are what's so interesting because it is going to be so matchup-based. I think – the experience of Denver, I st- we, at the beginning of the year, we picked 
Um, I still have Denver up there. I, I, I'm still taking them. I haven't seen anybody I'm more impressed with when they have their whole group out there. Yep. Um, and in a playoff series, I don't think you want to see them. I don't think you want to see them at all. Um, you have any final NBA thoughts here, Derek? Um, you know, I'm hoping that Tyrese Halliburton gets healthy. Hope that hamstring um, is something he can bounce back from quickly because the Pacers certainly need him. I know that they they rallied and, and knocked off Boston without him, but as far as how their season's going to play out, you know, if we're looking at at two weeks without him getting into the All Star break here, uh, just for their the purpose of their record and their playoff standing, they're going to need him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see how the Western Conference shakes out. You know, do, does Denver be the number one seed? Can the Thunder make a run? What does Sacramento do? Do they make some moves to bring guys in? Maybe to better up, you know, better improve their roster a little bit. There's a lot of questions out there. Um, does Phoenix right their ship? Uh, does Dallas get the does Dallas get moving in the right direction, or do they continue just to kind of stay the same, which is what we had talked about prior to the season? Uh, and then I think the East is going to be fun only because of the, the matchup potential that we see in the playoffs. And that, to me, is going to be maybe the most fun is watching the, the playoff matchups come out and then probably getting some legitimate seven-game series right out of the gate. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, I think it's really exciting. Hopefully we're going to be, uh, you know, trying to get these things more regular and, and, and you know, and that's on me, but we got we got to be uh, on top of it with this. We've got uh, three <laughs> exciting, three exciting seasons right now. Uh, NBA is is up for grabs. The Houston Cougars just got upset tonight as we're talking on here. So we're we've got a lot of exciting basketball, yep. a lot of a lot of parity across basketball. Which yes, we do, which makes it even fun. even more entertaining for us. And I know on your end, uh, the high school basketball season, there's a lot of a lot of good teams around our area. And we're kind of lucky to be sitting where we're sitting. I know you've, uh, like you said, you've got kind of the the pedal to the metal as far as uh, the high school season goes with, with doubled weekends coming up. Uh, you're going to be fully invested there and, and doing the scouting and, and all that stuff that you do as well as coaching and, uh, you know, your JV squad and then helping with the varsity side of things. So looking forward to see seeing how the, the Cordon Central Panthers – Second half of their season plays out. Um, obviously, you, you guys know you can't take a night off because in the Mid-Southern Conference, anybody can lose to anybody. Uh, There's no off. But at the same time, you know, I think in talking to you and kind of how things went over Christmas break and how things are going now, you've got a lot to build off of, a lot of positive energy. You knock off a team like Floyd Central, that can do wonders for your squad as far as building confidence and, and propelling guys in a positive direction. So, you know, the second half of the season is always fun. And uh, – it's a good way to get yourself ready, and, and there's a lot to be excited about. For sure, man. There's a great, there's a lot of basketball, a lot of great basketball to be played at all levels. Um, thanks for joining with us, guys. If you if you like what you hear, please share and uh, follow us on social media uh, at PicketFence underscore pod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Picket Fence Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, and for both of us always here at the Picket Fence Podcast. Don't get caught, caught watching the, the paint, paint dry. dry.